Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast with me, Joe Warner, and powered by Ultimate Performance, the world's premier personal training experience that delivers maximum results in minimum time. In each episode of the Unfiltered Podcast, I interview the most respected, celebrated, and controversial experts in the fields of health, fitness, nutrition, well-being, and performance to help you find the life-changing advice you need to live smarter. Remember, you can find all of our exclusive unfiltered documentaries, video interviews, and investigations at unfilteronline.com and the Unfiltered Extra YouTube channel. And now, on with the show. Today, I'm talking with two-time World's Strongest Man, Tom Stoltman. In it, we talk about how he channels his autism as a superpower, how his brother Luke and discovering the gym saved his life, and how he plans to cement his legacy as the greatest strongman of all time. Here's Tom Stoltman. Firstly, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. I know I've been chasing you for a little while. Yeah, so it's taken so long. <laughs> I'm really keen. I was really keen to talk to you. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to quit. I was going to keep going. Yeah, no problem. Together. So there's obviously loads of things I'd love to cover with, with you today, and I hope we'll get time to to go over some of them. But I think it has to start with world's strongest man, right? So. You won in 2021, you won again last year, two successive titles. And I don't really want to talk about that in so much. I want to talk about the things you were saying before then, because it was the belief, the confidence that it was going to happen. It was only a matter of time in your mind. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about where that self-belief, where that confidence came from, even three, four, five years ago before you were even placing. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, I think a lot of people know I've got autism and um, for me, autism and strawman go hand in hand. Um, with this sport, you know, you need to be tunnel visioned. You need to have a plan and you need to just execute the plan. And obviously people of autism will know that having a plan is very important and things don't change in strawman. When you're training for it, it's sleep, eat, lift, sleep, eat, lift. It's repetition. And that's also what we love. So, you know, that's like also where it came from. You know, like when I, it was basically in 2020 when I, um, Went to World Strongest Man. I came second and I won three events and I came last in one event, which cost me the title. So I knew from 2020 that I was the best strongman in the world. It was just my mistakes stopped me from, you know, being number one and saying I basically was. So for that rest of that 2020, I went around just in my head saying, you know, I'm World Strongest Man, World Strongest Man, I'm World Strongest Man. I believed in myself and that's where a lot of it came from, you know. Um, I think, it, yeah, it started about 2019, 2020. Um, and then I just thought, right, 2020 to 2021 World Strongest Man, I'm just going to do a year of literally just tunnel vision. All I care about is one competition, and that is the prestigious Strongman World Strongest Man. So I literally just went in and just, you know, I trained my mind and really just, it was like a robot, basically. <laughs> like my wife kind of, I didn't really do, having my wife involved didn't really see much of my family it was literally just all i knew was my bedroom my kitchen my living room the times i'm eating and the gym and that was about it you know obviously we've got a business and stuff but i put the business and everything to the side and was like this is my time to show the world that i'm the best in the world and then also as well i i signed up with a clinical psychologist called amy um and this was about i think a month or two before 2021 world stronger man and this was then a big risk for myself because obviously people with autism don't like changes. And I was just like, right, let's just try this because I was in a good place. But I knew that if I had someone that could understood my mind, I would then take it to the next level. And 
it was also that last two, three months of prep for 2021 World Strongest Man that I knew that I was going to become the World Strongest Man because of the way she was talking to me, how I tapped into my mind like I've never tapped in it before, the words she was saying to me, the words I had to think about. And that's why I wrote on social media like two months or a month out that I'm going to be World Strongest Man because I literally seen my destiny there because of what she helped me do. And now, you know, I've, I was working with her all the way up to, like I said, World Straws, man. I think it's just, I just learned to kind of control my mind and, you know, learn to just live with it. And I know autism is always going to be in me and there's always going to be hard days and stuff. And I know when I do have hard days now, I know how to deal with it. And that's the difference from like Strawman Tom, like to three or four years ago to like when I first started. Because when I first started, I kind of just crumbled and couldn't, you know, if I went last in an event, I would just f go away and just go back home. I couldn't focus on it. Would, I would eat on me for weeks and weeks and weeks. But now I've learned also to, you know, if anything negative happens in the gym, out of the gym in life, it's just to kind of, you know, learn to live with that and just get on with your life. And, you know, the next day, the next day is a new day. So I'd, I'd love to come back to talk about this, the, the psychologist you've been working with as well and, and how that's helped. But you, you mentioned the mistake in 2020, right? The Hercules hold that cost you the title. I think for a lot of people, you know, you go one of two ways there, right? You're either, you're either absolutely furious with yourself because it's not that someone else has been better than you, it's that you've not managed to deliver on that day. So you can either go the route where you beat yourself up or the route you took, which was, oh, I am the world's strongest man. I might not have the title this year, but I am. So it's only a matter of time. I've just got to wait 12 months until I get it. How much of that was down to the, the psychologist you've been working with? Do you think that without her support, you might not have gone down that that the positive route, if we want to call it that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, you know, I'm. I've never had anybody. For me, like, all my family know about autism. My wife knows about autism, but I've never ever had the conversations I've had with anybody except from her. And the way she kind of just, you know, I would go on to sometimes you know if I had a bad day in the gym or a bad day at work or I was really stressed with like traveling and stuff. You know, we'd sit down and I talked to her. It would be once a week I talked to her and. Once I talked to her, they were I was like a new person when I came off the call. I was so motivated, so psyched up to train. And then I just, you know, went back to saying I was going to be the best in the world. Because sometimes, you know, I was coming to the end of the week. It was usually like a Friday. I talked to her. It was coming to the end of the week. And I would say, oh, why am I doing this? Or I'm so stressed. And, you know, I'm sacrificing my wife and stuff. And then she would just sit like, you know, she would just do these, like, say these words, say things that would help my mind get back to, you know, where it should be. And it really, really paid off. And yeah, she kept me positive. And I basically called it an unbreakable mindset. The last two years I've had an unbreakable mindset that if I have anything on the bar, anything in front of me, I'll lift it. And that's proved, you know, in the competition, you know, the, the biggest competition in Strongman, I've done that the last two years and just, you know, won by quite a margin as well. And it's kind of, my dominance is, I think, to do with obviously my hard work, but also her, like that mindset, you know, you can, for me, I was winning the world's strongest man before I even stepped on the stage because of my kind of relaxed, I was so relaxed when I was around people. I was, you know, I could see I was getting in people's heads. Just the way I was kind of like, just the way I was kind of around in the hotel and just walking around and stuff. I, could, I was just so nice and relaxed. You know, I would never think about the competition until the minute I was about to go and do it. You know, I was listening to chilled out music and no, no high beat music, just the ones that were nice and relaxing and you know, I'd be getting 10 hours sleep a day. So everything I was doing was because, you know, Amy channeled it my, my, uh, my mind to be the, a world champion. So. And that's such 
an amazing mental transformation from going from a, a position or a place where one bad event, one tiny mistake means you throw in the towel to suddenly being the guy that everyone else is looking at going, he's in my head. He, he's, he's won this before we've even chalked up. I mean, that must have been a really nice place to be in given where you'd been before. Yeah, like you said, you know, maybe seven, eight years ago, I would uh, I would be overthinking and be thinking, oh, he's strong, he's this, that, you know, and concentrating everyone else. But now it's, like I said, you said it's reversed, you know, and I think people are now saying, oh, look at Tom Stoughton, look how big he is or look how strong he is. And then as soon as you, that's what I've learned, as soon as you do that, you've already lost. You know, you should never think about anybody ever. You know, it's even if you're, whatever sport you're in, you should, all you need to do is focus on yourself and whatever you do is your best. And that's all I can. And that's what I started to learn because, like you said, you know, my mind's so, I feel my mind's so strong now that people are saying, Tom this, Tom that, or, oh, look at him, or, you know, why is he eating that, or why is he doing this? You know, it's kind of, they question themselves then as well, you know, which again, as soon as you start questioning yourself, and like I said, think about other people, that's when you then start going, right, am I the best in the world, or am I good at this, or whatever, you know? It's almost like you rise above the, the background noise of what anyone else is doing, your biggest rivals, anything else. You can just almost kind of elevate yourself above it and go, if I do what I know I can do, it's in the bag. Is yeah. that how you're feeling now looking forward to, to this year and beyond? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm confident. The thing with me is there's another weird thing I do for it. I mean, and actually kind of, Amy helped me with this, but I also kind of did it on my own back. Um, so since I've won World Showers, man, none of the trophies have been in my house. And for me, the way I'm, the, why I do this is because I think if I had the trophy in my house, I would be staring out all the time and going, what's the point? Do another competition like I've um the king of the world I've done what I've wanted to do I can be re re, re lazy and just you know not want to compete again but one of my trophies is in my dad's house and one of them's in my in our business in our shop at the front of the store so I only ever see them if I'm ever in the shop or I'm at my dad's and I only just glance at them and it makes me hungrier because so the reason I think I won it in 2022 is because I had a 2021 trophy high on the shelf at my dad's. And every time I went up there, I was like, oh, I want to win. I don't want anybody to get their hands on this because I was like, I wouldn't see it for a few weeks. So it's like I'd miss it and I and I would forget that I'm the best in the world until I glanced at this. And when I glanced at it, I was like, no, nobody's getting their hands anywhere near this trophy. And I think that's what's keeping me motivated as well because like, I'm not satisfied with one or two trophies. And you know, when I'm satisfied, all the trophies will be in my house. I guarantee that. But right now, I'm spreading them out and so I don't have any sight of them or have sight of them maybe once a week. But that's kind of the mindset I have, you know, that this going into 2023 is the exact same. You know, obviously, I had six months off after Worlds last year and it was a shock to me, but it was nice to be able to spend quality time with my wife and family and do stuff that I've not done for the last 10 years and, you know, spend some quality time with friends and, and do some, you know, do stuff like, you know, going to Disney World. It was a dream holiday of mine and my wife and we went there New York, so it was cool, but now, you know, I've been back on prep for two weeks and it's now getting back into that, right, I'm the best in the world, let's train. If I train like I'm training, let's, uh, I'm the best, like I said, no one can beat me. I'm glancing at these trophies now and then just to give me that kind of boost because, you know, when I have bad days, I kind of sometimes go to my dad's and talk to him, but then just glance up at the trophy and get like, yeah, this is, this is mine, I'm at the top of the pile. These guys are here wanting this trophy, but they're never going to get it. And that's just how I keep my mind fresh all the time and not complacent with what I've got because I know if I had it in my house it would be like that nah, that's fine you know you've done what you wanted to do let's just stop so 
the first title was obviously amazing. The second, incredible. But three on the three on the bounce. I mean, that's got to be the target. That's clearly your target. What would it mean to you to to complete the hat trick? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, when I came into this sport like 10, 10 years ago, someone told me you'd be Welsh Strawers man. I was laughing. I mean, my my goal of this sport was to win Scotland Strawers man. Did that and blah blah blah. But um, yeah, so when I obviously I won back to back and. Uh, third would be a, an amazing achievement for myself and I think there's only I don't think it's been done for a long long time I think only two people have done it as well uh, and you know I would be going down in the history books and I know I think you know to be the GOAT of Strongman you have to win more than just Worlds but I think I'd be up there with the legends of World Strongest Man that comp by itself if I win three in a row especially of how young I am you know I'm only 28 years old and I won two trophies at 27. So I won two World Stars Mans in the same year, which is, uh, sorry, at the same age, which is quite cool as well. And then, but yeah, third one would be, I'm so ready. Like, I'm, we're still, we're still quite a 12, maybe 12 weeks or so out. But when I get to that last eight weeks, I'm like a predator. Like, I'm ready just to, just to kill, you know, basically just to kill anyone and everything. I will not let anything get in my way. Uh, and that's what's really in my eyes. A difference with a lot of people is like I literally sacrifice everything. I'll say sponsor stuff on the side, business stuff on the side. And I have this tunnel vision for one thing, and that is to win that trophy. So I know that if I win the trophy again, or you know, it's going to change my life again. It's going to change my wife's going to be family, and it's going to change the business that we run as well. So I just want to keep being at the top and keep winning these titles. I want to I want to come back to legacy uh, in a minute. If that's right, I just want to focus on on something you said there on. In terms of the sacrifices, so many people like me from the outside, we see guys like you and elite sportsmen and sportswomen, you know, striving for glory, achieving success. We never see the 99% of it that's not televised, right? We don't see the, the, the hard training, the graft, and the word you mentioned, sacrifice. Can you just talk about some of the things you have had to sacrifice and how you rationalize in your head, you know, what is what is acceptable to sacrifice and what you have to do? Yeah, well, I think... The biggest year for sacrifice for myself and for everyone was 2021 World Stories, man. I think that was halfway through a pandemic as well. And, uh, you know, at that time, I kind of, I knew that I was going out to World Stories, man, just myself. So I wouldn't have my wife, which would have been, you know, my first time ever at a competition without anybody there. Obviously, I'd looked, but he was an athlete. So for me there, it was, I had to kind of switch my mind and go, right, if my wife and family aren't going to be with me at World Strongest Man, I need to lock myself away and be this lone person that does this sport all by myself. And that's what I did. I didn't, I just kind of, I was living with my wife, but I didn't interact with her much. I didn't do much with her. I just, she would just cook my food and every, she, she would cook food at the same time every single day. And that was it. And I wouldn't see my dad. I don't think I'd seen my family or my dad for about three, two months, three months. So it was a long, long time because all I wanted to do was, you know, wake up, go to the gym, come home. I didn't even want to drive much. I didn't want to do anything that would injure me or, you know, to take me off my routine. If I was late by 10 minutes, it would be just, it would aggravate me. So, yeah, and the sacrifice as well. It's obviously, you know, seeing your friends, you know, I think for me, family is a massive, massive thing to myself and sacrificing my my family and my wife is the hardest thing in the world. But I always say to myself, you know, I, this is why I'm doing it for them. And for me, 2021 was the hardest year of Strongman and out of all winning it, you know, I couldn't celebrate with my wife there. She was seeing it over a, you know, a webcam or a Zoom cut, whatever it was. And just the prep to that, you know, like 
just in the house. Just I first felt like a prisoner in my house. It was obviously my choice, but that was the way I got my mind focused that when I was out at World's Strongest Man, it was the same routine as it was when I was at home because I was by myself. Whereas if I had Sinead and my family doing everything, when I go out to World's Strongest Man, I wouldn't be capable of doing stuff. So that's really how I channel my mind. And yeah, like I said, sacrificing strongman. I mean, I you see it. It's although it's it's kind of like a you know, I thought you have this big team around you. You are by yourself, and you have to sacrifice. You know, going away on holiday. In twenty, I don't like. We've been together ten years, and like I said, Disneyland was our first holiday in ten years out with Strawman. So you know, as me, I've sacrificed ten years, or she sacrificed ten years to not have a holiday, and so have I. And you know, they're not seeing your friends, going out on the weekend, doing the things you love. You just have to put it all to the side for this one sport. You know. And I will be speaking with family as well. I, I want to speak about your brother, Luke, because, you know, you've spoken before about having a very difficult childhood. You know, teachers not very supportive. In fact, teachers the opposite of supportive and, and telling you'd you'd never amount to anything. And and getting into the gym, you said before, it, it saved your life. So I'd love to just talk a little bit about your relationship with Luke and, and, and how he's been on this journey with you, really. Yeah, I mean, Luke's the one that got me into this sport in the first place. Obviously, having autism... I don't know much about my childhood because it feels like a nightmare to me, but like look at all that, you know, they always talk about it. But like obviously growing up with autism was very, very hard. I was always involved in sport. Football was my passion. All I wanted to be was a professional footballer. When I had a football at my foot feet, I could talk to people. I was like a normal person. As soon as you took that away from me, I'd go back in my shell. And that's what the sport that I was thought I was destined to do. I really thought that because I followed in Luke's footsteps in that as well. Luke played football at a young age, and then he got me into it. So like, Luke got me into a lot of it. And then it was just about, I think it was at 15 years old, I just thought all of a sudden quit football because all my friends had moved away from football and were getting like jobs and stuff and were moving away from home. So basically what I did, I basically just sat in my room for, I think it was maybe half a year to a year, playing computer games and, you know, getting like depression and stuff and, not wanting to do anything other than just sit in my room and play on computer games. And then it was Luke. I think my mum and dad were talking to Luke, you know, and saying, look, you know, Tom's at a low right now, you know, with obviously autism and everything that's happening. So we want, you know, we want you to try and, you know, give him a wee boost. And that's when he said, come to the gym. And when, when he said come to the gym at 16, for me, it was my worst nightmare because obviously when you go into a gym, there's big guys, there's nice, like good looking women, there's, these guys doing grunting, there's mirrors everywhere, and you're just like, what the hell am I doing here? This is like a worst nightmare for someone with autism. But for some reason, being with Luke, and I didn't quit. I never, ever not quit at something before. In this gym, for some reason, I didn't quit. I just had my hood up, and all I was doing was talking to Luke when I was in the gym. That was it. And that's all you needed to do. And I think that's why I didn't quit, because you didn't have to talk to every single person in the gym. All I, all I had to do was talk to Luke, and I would still get strong and... Or not. And anyway, Luke was the one from day one that helped, like, programmed all my stuff for me, told me what to eat, really just was that support base of, like, you know, if I needed anything, if I was struggling with anything in the gym, he would be the one. And then we just kind of grew together. And obviously, he was still working offshore at the time I started. So when he went offshore, I started to get more confident in going myself. And he would always phone saying, oh, how are you doing, Tom? Are you still enjoying the gym? Then when he came back, I changed, like, I, know, I remember he went away for three or four months. He came back and he was like, "Well, you're a monster now." And like when when people when he started seeing, saying that to me and the positive stuff, I just fell in love with it. And 
watching Luke's journey as well and being on this journey together is incredible because I like Luke saved my life because a lot of people think I over-exaggerate when the gym saved my life, but it really did. You know, I think if people knew every single thing about my childhood and how I was at the educational system and college and stuff, they would understand. And uh, yeah, so fact, like I said, Luke then, and I, and I watched Luke at Scotland Strong, man, I was like, wow, this is my brother competing at Strong. I watched, I, I watched these guys on TV and now he's lifting cars and logs. And then that was when, I think it was 17 or 18 years old, that's when I said to Luke, I want to go on this journey with you of being a strong man. And that was it. You know, every single year, every single day, sorry, we trained together. We just started, you know, growing together. He would, I would push him, he would push me. And then it just developed into this, you know, really big relationship and really good relationship. Because before the gym, myself and Luke hardly really talked or, you know, we, we weren't close to that because he's 10 years older than me. So, you know, it was hard to have that relationship with him. But the gym's caught us close together and we're like best friends. And, you know, we get to do a sport that we love together. And I owe a lot to him for like getting me into the sport and helping me grow as a person. It's an amazing moment to have because obviously getting you into the gym, you could be anonymous, you could keep keep the hood up, you could just do your own thing. And, and he was almost there like a shield, perhaps, almost just protecting you from from from, from what else was going on. So clearly he was your, your role model growing up. Has there ever been any rivalry? Because it seems to me that you're you're so close. One of your success is both of your success. There's there's no competition there at all. Is is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think honestly our biggest rivalry is in the gym. Uh we I think we're more of rivals in the gym than we are at competition because in the gym, that's where you lose competition. So I think we want to push each other as hard as we can there. And like that's, you know, like if our rivalries can be kind of like uh, we can get quite quite competitive you know like he might go for five reps and go right stuff this I'm going for six and then that also helps us grow but when it comes to competition you know like myself and we went to I, we went against each other I think it was the first event of the Worlds 2021 and that was so cool you know like the crowd got behind both of us um, we were just our own we basically just acted like our own athletes you know and we just we're in that zone, and then afterwards, uh, we like just started hugging and jumping around and stuff. But we don't ever care. Like if Luke beats me, or if I beat him, we're still, you know, we're still the same. The, the rivalry, rivalry is just, it's just sweet, and you know, it's not. There's no like, uh, nah, we don't get kind of jealous or anything. You know, if like I've won World Series man in the last two years, it's, it's Luke's victory as well. We have highs together, and we have lows together, but the, the, the rivalry is very kind of healthy and friendly. So. And it must be amazing having that that support there and knowing that someone has got, got your back 100%. And speaking of your back, there's now a pretty big target on it, right? Everyone in the world is now, is now looking at you, what you're doing, uh, what they need to do to beat you. Is You know, you smiled, so I think I know the answer to this, Tom. Is, is that a nice feeling, having that target on your back now, being the number one by a mile? Yeah, I think it is a really good. Uh, I think that's what keeps you motivated. You know, like I said, first title I won, yeah, it was good. It was nice. But I always believe that if you win one title, you have to go back and defend it or at least try and defend it. I think I be, I'm, I'm a believer of that. You know, it's did that with Britain's strongest man. And I, so that's what I did in 20, like I said, in 2022. And that's when I knew then after winning the first one, right, there's a big target on my back here. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought, well, I won it once and there's a massive target that I would crumble and be the old Tom Stokeman of old. But, um, you know, Eddie Hall spoke of it, and that is like when I have a lot of ta- when I have a big massive target on my back, I get rise to it, and I love it. You know, I love 
being able to push my body to a limit that I didn't ever think it was possible. I love seeing someone do eight or nine reps because I know, right, let's just do this. We've got a competition here. Let's go. So, yeah, it motivates me to push myself even more and just get better and better. You've spoken about at the start of the, the, our conversation about autism as a superpower in terms of the drive, the focus, the determination. But obviously having a, a routine is such an important part of that and, and making sure that you know mentally you know what you're doing and, and there's no disruption to that. Obviously now with the fame and the fortune and, and people wanting a piece of you, that must be quite chaotic at times. How have you managed to adjust to the increased demands on, on your time and, and, and people wanting to be around you and needing you? Yeah, I mean... Uh, that is probably the hardest thing about obviously the being or being like in the limelight and stuff, especially the first year, 2021. I always go back to 2021 because that was obviously my first year winning and that was hard. Obviously, it was COVID time, so I did a lot of Zoom calls and stuff, so I wasn't traveling as much. But then I thought it was going to be easier this year, but it's only last year, 2022, but it was, it was chaotic because like from... May till July, I was just living in hotels, living, you know, just flying back and forth to places because I could actually do it. And people were getting me in the studios. So that was really, really mentally that affected me a lot because, like I said, I didn't have a routine. I was one play, one day I was here, the next day I was here. Luckily, I had my wife who really kind of supports me and helps me when things get hard. She really understands me. You know, we've been together since, you know, I've been on this journey. She's, we've been there since 18, I'm 28 now. So she's really developed herself to help me win these situations and she takes care of like the fight she will take care of if you know the questions and people ask you as long as I, she just wants me to be comfortable in these situations and I still struggle to this day you know I think being in the limelight is good but it's the media side of things and the other side of things you do it's for me it's really really hard uh, that's why also Luke helps me doing that you know we've obviously got our own business but he says to me he takes care more of the business and he'll let me you know, focus on the straw man kind of side of things. Obviously, I'm younger as well, so um, he's got that business kind of like attitude. But for me, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I struggle. I still struggle to this day, but especially after the win, even going on soccer, you know, soccer is a massive thing. And even getting on that, a lot of people still didn't know who I was. But after that, you know, being in the airport, people coming up to you like, oh, you're the goalkeeper from soccer, and what I saved you did. That's even more fame. And yeah, even everywhere I go now. There's people wanting pictures and stuff. You know, I I don't I love that and stuff. And you just get used to it. I I've uh, it was hard at first, but now I've just kind of got used to it. And I know now, like the more I win, the more kind of popular I get, the more stuff I do. There's going to be a lot more things happening, so I just have to kind of roll with it. But yeah, if everything if anything does get too much for me, I kind of you know I say no to it, or I I now know how to say no. At the start, it was kind of just saying yes to every interview, thinking that would help my profile and stuff, but it was just burning me out. And it was just uh, making me feel worse and worse. So now I know, right, this guy or this person, I could make him wait a wee while, you know, and let me focus on myself and the focus on the ones I want to do. So, What's your advice to somebody watching this who maybe is struggling mentally with, with, with anything with depression or anxiety? You know, what would your advice be to somebody how, you know, having been there and, and lifting weights and, and getting into the gym has, has given you a path out of that? Do you have any advice for, uh, for anyone who may be going through some difficulties right now? Yeah, 100%, I think. You know, I think the gym is an antidepressant in itself. I really think, you know, not just from my experience with autism, but I know a lot of my friends, obviously being from the islands, it's a very isolated place. And a lot of my friends, you know, used to take drink, used to do drugs, and then, you know, started getting depressed in the house and being on these antidepressants. Now they come to the gym and I help teach them up. And, but they love it because the gym's somewhere that I think 
like the gym somewhere you you know it's like an antidepressant you go there if someone's annoyed you you can just you know if it's a punching bag rip the punching bag off the wall you can rip the bars off the floor you rip it off your chest and you really feel like that aggression is coming out and then also as well the way it makes your body feel and the way you can see changes nearly every week is unbelievable and my in my eyes that's a drug itself so i really think you know if there's people struggling with depression or they don't know what to do you know go to the gym speak to someone about you know your problems and that's one of the most important things obviously is speaking out but speaking out and then going on that fitness journey yourself because you know no one's going to go to you when you're in the gym and go oh, i'm you know struggling with depression i think i'm doing this they're not going to say oh go away and get out of here i think gym's the one of the most friendliest places you can go and i really think you should just go try the gym out for a month or two and see how you feel because i guarantee you'll feel unbelievable and that's what i did you know and that's i know a lot of people that have gone to the gym and it's changed their life around as well you know and the journey you come on it is incredible as we've said two successive world's strongest man titles one's coming up in may talk to me about what's what's next how far can you go in this sport tom yeah well i'm 28 years old right now so i want to i want to try and win six you know the five's the bet the five's the record i want to be the greatest of all time in the world's but i also want to win arnold's multiple times as well uh if i win those two competitions and that and i can stay with myself as the greatest strongman of all time and i could become the greatest strongman of all time at 36 37 years old you know and then do a different journey in my life but i really yeah i'm really motivated just to win as many competitions as i can in the next 10 years and just keep plowing away and see where this journey takes me but i'm confident that yeah, I could become the greatest of all time if I work hard and not let distractions get to me and you know just focus on what I'm doing. But yeah, the goal is to win six World Strongest Man titles and then a bunch of Arnold uh, Arnold Classic titles. And what's what's the most likely thing that's going to stop you achieving that? Because it's clearly not your determination. It's not yourself. Yeah. I mean, I've I've said this before. Only if a doctor says to me, "Oh, you're going to die if you do this," you know. And obviously, you know, dying for anything in my eyes ain't worth it if it's a sport and stuff so you know, i wouldn't ever die for a sport you know but like yeah, that's the only thing that would ever stop me if if uh if the doctor told me to die like i'd keep going if i broke my legs if i did anything like that i'd find a way to lift weights because it's it's you know like i said saved my life and it's it's part of my everyday routine so you know i need the gym to focus to function to help me get through the days and yeah i need competing because like i said competing is the biggest drug you'll ever take in your life it's unbelievable the adrenaline that goes through your body so no, nothing will ever stop me competing unless i die and there's no nothing in your head at the moment at an age in terms of thinking of retirement you you're going to keep doing this for as long as you can do it right yeah i mean there's the thing i don't, I don't think you can retire in strong man i mean you know after you're 40 there's a thing called masters world strongest man you can do that till you're like 50 so you know, as long as I'm still enjoying competing, as long as I still enjoy the gym, I'll go to the gym till, you know, I'm I'm dead, you know, and that's the thing, you know, I can't just, if I stop competing, I'm not going to stop the gym. You look at all these greats and all the strong men, bodybuilders that have been retired for eight, eight for years, but the gym's their life. It's like, you know, you go to work nine to five, that's some people's life, you know, and you're not just going to give that up. Uh, or, no, sorry, if you have a hobby, like, you know, golfing, football, you know, you know, after you start done work, you're not just going to give that up because you finish work. So, it's for me, it's a very big part of my life. So, I need it till the day I die, basically. You know. And you talked about your legacy there, the number of titles you won, both in terms of the world, Arnold's other competitions. But have you given any thought about your legacy 
wider than 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 just the strongman competitions. Obviously, that's a, a huge accomplishment in its own right, but. In terms of legacy, are there other things you want to do? Are there other things you want to be remembered for or differences you want to make? Yeah, obviously, for me, the biggest thing is the autism. You know, I want to be a big ambassador around the world for autism. I think still to this day, not a lot of people know what autism is. If I didn't say to people I had autism, nobody in this world would know I had it. So uh, I think it needs to really start getting on a global stage, you know, more talked about. And it's kind of like mental health just needs to get out there much more and there needs to be much more support for people out there because I know up here there's hardly any support and it's really sad to see people suffering because they think they're different and that's my biggest goal for me is you know to use my platform to use what I've won and what helped to help you know help people do motivational talks about my story and to build a massive platform where I can help these people with autism and then again you know we've got a uh, HQ here, you know, I'm in my office right now. We've got a shop in Evergarden as well, which we sell merchandise from. We've got a studio, we do YouTube. So just to keep growing that, you know, it's in my eyes, it's a marathon, not a race. If you rush these things, it goes down under uh, really quickly. And then, you know, eventually we want to build a hub for not just strawmen, but for people in the Highlands or in our community that can come. And, you know, there's a lot of world champions up here in the Highlands that people don't know about, you know, like marathon runners. There's Commonwealth game, but cyclists, there's all these people that not hardly anybody in, in uh, any other part of the world knows, but we want them to come to this hub and train them up on specialist equipment, you know, give them the best care they need, give them support financial wise, and just they just come to this hub and everything's on the doorstep. And that's what we want. We just want to build a big HQ where we've got a gym, studio, like I said, recovery center. People can come to talk just to talk to us, you know, men, about mental health, autism, and just, just change the kind of lifestyle for people up here because obviously people up here I think you know like myself and Luke thought there was nothing possible you can do unless you live in Glasgow London or the big cities but I'm we're, we're kind of the blueprint off it and we just want to keep that blueprint going our, our whole lives so. thank you for listening to the unfiltered podcast if you've got this far I hope you won't mind if I ask you to leave a five-star review when you get the chance we'd really appreciate it And don't forget you can access all of our exclusive unfiltered video interviews and features at unfilteredonline.com and the Unfiltered Extra YouTube channel. See you next time.